was eating junk. I had just had two children back to back. I used to not be able to get on the ground. I never, ever daily exercise. Before, if I'd get down, I'd need a chair or something to help me get back up. I was 84 pounds heavier at one time. I was always a big dude, but I couldn't move around. That all changed when they met Diamond Dallas Page. Started doing yoga, man. I started doing a, a thing called DDP yoga. It's Nacho Mama's yoga. WCW heavyweight champion, known for his signature move, the Diamond Cutter. Diamond Cutter! Took what he learned recovering from an injury and years in the ring and created DDP Yoga. Working out combined with the eating habits, it was a huge difference. I felt so much better. It's a lot of fun for me because I never used to be able to be active. Now I'm, I'm on the floor, I'm rolling around, it's pretty cool. More than importantly, I just want to be alive. I'm down about 110 pounds. DDP Yoga can work for anyone. DDP. DDP Radio. Well, hello, my fellow DEP Yoga Warriors. It is Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here in, I would say, beautiful Raleigh, North Carolina, but it is cold and it is rainy and it is wet <laughs> and it's one of those days that just drags the whole day down. Like, I feel, like, run down. I feel tired. I feel like, you know, it's one of those days outside that just, like, just envelops you inside and you end up bringing yourself to match whatever the weather is. It's one of those days. So uh, I'm hoping, as usual, so a lot of times I'll come onto the show just, you know, long day, dragging ass, and you get here, you get talking to some inspiring people, some good conversation with Crystal and, of course, our Warrior of the Week, and by the end of the show, you're at this fever pitch of momentum and inspiration and motivation, so it ends up lifting you up from wherever funk or mood you happen to be in, and, and today is one of those days where I'm counting on this show to just fire me up, and I'm counting on you, Crystal Stewart, to light that fire, <laughs> to melt the glacial masses from Canada, and to flood it down here to rally North Carolina <laughs> to get that cold splash of water on my face that I need to pull me through tonight, baby. Crystal, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Um, you know I live in a really cold country, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I, I, Which just, is... I, just went into like, I just went into, like, 80s, 80s televangelist preacher mode. <laughs> like, just, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Praise, praise the oh. Lord. Oh. Well, we have a, a fun show tonight, and we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, of course, we're going to bring on Mark in just a second. We're going to introduce you to him. He's sure. the uh, Warrior of the Week. He called him a few weeks ago. We were chatting about a story, and, you know, as we do with Warrior of the Week, so we get some people calling in during other people's Warrior of the Week, and we kind of, you know, discover new people, and it's this great network of, of, of stories and shared experiences, and one Warrior of the Week turns to another. And for the Warrior of the Week, you get nothing for it. There's no prize. There's no trophy. But it is a platform to share your story, and you know, rewards you can get from that experience is having people listen to your story and feel inspired and feel inspired to either change or kind of alter their past and, and, you know, help people realize certain things about themselves. And we've heard so many times, you know, people heard this story or heard that story and it really kind of woke them up to their own um, situation. So uh, that's what we do here. We're people inspiring people and that's what we're going to do tonight. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the one thing that we all have in common is we all have a starting point, right? So 
it, it's really kind of interesting and motivating and inspiring to always hear where someone is starting off or, you know, if they've fallen down, how many times they've gotten back up or whatever the case may be. So it's really awesome. Well, it, it is. And, and one of the things I love about this, lady, and you put it perfectly there, Crystal, you know, our starting point, and we all come from different places. We come from different scenarios, different life experiences, and, you know, for me personally, that for that fitness model that's on the cover of all the DVDs or, or magazines in the stores, I don't relate to that person. But in the DDP yoga community, I can find somebody who either has similar experiences or kind of a similar mindset that you can latch on to. And, and we got a great story tonight yep. um, from Mark. And he, he, he you know, told us last week, uh, a couple weeks ago, about his story overcoming addiction. And I know that's something that so many people in uh, not only the yoga community, but the world are dealing with right now, you know, with with the opiate, you know, crisis so uh, huge here in the United States, um, you know, prescription medication, alcohol, drugs, but that all goes back to the food mentality too. Like, you know, it's one of those, um, it's the all or nothing mentality, the, the gluttonous personality. Yep. And I know that I've suffered from that in my own ways, you know, with food and I never you know, had a, a, a drug problem. I don't really drink very often, but it does manifest in your personality and become problematic in other ways um, in your life and relationships. So it's going to be really exciting to talk to him today about that. And uh, I think what better way, <coughs> excuse me, I got this cough thing going on forever. So I'm going to try to keep it off the air best I can, but kind of pause it up out of nowhere. Best, uh, we'll bring him on right now. Um, our warrior sure. of the week. He's from New Jersey. Um, he's got a great story to tell. We're going to bring him on right now. Uh, Mark, how are you, man? Hi, Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, Mike. Hey, Crystal. It's uh, great Hi. to be here. It's a privilege to be the warrior of the week. And uh, it's good to be two years and five months clean and sober. Absolutely. Congratulations. Wow. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. That's a huge undertaking. And, you know, you. I mean, you know, without going into too much detail, you, I mean, I, I'm, you can share as much or as little as you want. Sometimes that can be, you know, hard and triggering for people. But, you know, with with the way the world is right now, with the the drug crisis being what it is, like mm-hmm. you got out at a good time, man. Because you know, a lot of people probably in your shoes two years ago didn't make it out. Oh, I could have I could have went on for another twenty years, uh, but I I made a decision to stop, and uh, it was a decision. I mean, if you don't mind, I'll take the floor for a little while, um, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, Um, sure. All right, thank you. Um, Before I even go into my story, i got to say I'm really open about what happened. I'm really open about my life. I wasn't like that until I was about, like, maybe, like, 20 years old. But um, today I'm really open about it, and I'm more articulate than I've ever been. Uh, after going to college and after years of counseling and, and working on myself. Um, but everything really starts in childhood, right? Because, like, everything that happens as a child makes us who we are today, I believe, in, in a way. Um, and childhood wasn't all roses, but it was, it was kind of tough. But uh, when I was 15, I started uh, partying. I started indulging in alcohol. When I was about 17, I started smoking pot. And uh, we could debate all we want about pot, right? Like, pot's got its medicinal purposes, got its 
recreational purposes, but at the end of the day, it's a gateway drug, and it was for me. Um, it absolutely, uh, I was a chronic user um, into college, and uh, when I went to college, I joined a fraternity, and great group of guys. Uh, I started experimenting with, like, uh, a lot of other different drugs, uppers, downers, hallucinogens. Um, and then when I got out of college, um, it started continued, and there was a lot of reasons why. Um, my best friend's mother, uh, right out of college, passed away from leukemia. And uh, we were really close, like, kind of like an aunt, like a close aunt or like a close, uh, like a mother figure in my life. She passed away. And that hit me really hard, man. It hit me so hard. Uh, it was a long grieving process. It's still going on today. Um, but I remember, and, and my parents were going through a divorce at the time as well. So, like, death and divorce are two really high stress factors, probably the highest in, uh, in people's lives. And I was going through both of them at the same time. So, um, 2012, uh, I remember going back to college. And this is kind of important. I went back to college to visit. And I, I was partying for a few days. And I, the last night I did, um, I remember doing cocaine and I did some other upper. Like it, they said it was ecstasy, but it, was, it wasn't ecstasy. It was another upper. I did way too many of them. And I went home and went to sleep that night. And I woke up the next morning and I took some Advil. And it was like, uh, I got like a reaction from it. Like, because it's in my blood. So I got a reaction on my skin. And I, I felt like crap. So I was like, I got to go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital, got hooked up to a heart rate monitor. My heart rate, my heart rate was 190, 195. It jumped up to 200, 205 when I went to the bathroom. It was an overdose. Uh, accidental? Yes, absolutely an accident. But I had no off switch. There's a common theme throughout my life as I never had an off switch. That's what addicts, addicts don't have an off switch. So, um, I went to re- I did a sit in rehab shortly after that. I was in inpatient rehab. It was it'll be my only time that I went to inpatient rehab, like the next month. Uh, and I was there for nine days. Um, when I got out, I I probably relapsed in like a matter of weeks, maybe a month. Uh, and I was a chronic relapser. I, I I did this many a times. Um, so you know, 2013 rolled around. I kept doing the same thing I was doing. And um, I, I I remember talking to a counselor in 2013, and she made me go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I have nothing against AA. I think AA is great. I actually did AA like uh, many. I went to many meetings, um, but it didn't. I I went back to I relapsed again after going to AA. And uh, my my dad moved down to the Jersey Shore. I moved down with him. Uh, 2013, the end of 2013, 2014, I. Uh, probably like in June, I, I, I remember seeing the Arthur video. I mean, we all remember when we first saw Arthur Borman in his video, right? It brought us to tears. The moon was like, <laughs> it, it was the most, it was like one of the most amazing pieces of like art you'd ever seen in your life. And that's what it is. He, 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 uh, he came over so much to, to, um, to get to where he is today. And as soon as I, I'm I'm gonna order the video. I'm gonna order the DVDs, and I ordered the DVDs. I started the program. I started uh, emailing Dallas uh, personally, and he started emailing me back, which I was like almost surprised. I was like, "Wow, he's actually emailing me back." <laughs> this guy's the CEO of his own company, the future Hall of Famer at the time. 
Um, but it was really cool that he was uh, emailing me back and we were communicating. And I remember, like, towards the end of 2014, like, I was doing the program. I was trying to eat right, but, like, it was, I was always up and down, left and right, never consistent. And I, I remember emailing him one time, like, Dallas, like, I'm, I'm really depressed. I lost my job. Uh, he emailed me back. He's like, the only thing I can tell you, Mark, is live life at 90%. And I knew that quote. Like, I knew that quote. Life's 10% of what happens to you, 90% how you react to it. But I never really got what living life at 90% meant at the time. It took me a while to get it. Um, 2015 rolled around. I'm still doing the program. I, I, I end up being a new drug dealer, and he, he, dealt, he dealt me pot, started dealing me coke, and they introduced me to Xanax. 2016, I remember a summer day. I'll never forget this day. I woke up, and I was just anxious. I was, like, in panic. I was having, like, an anxiety attack. And I was like, I need to get high now. So I, I didn't have any pot. So I, the, my first instinct was to look in the medicine cabinet. And I, I remember seeing a bottle of Xanax. So I remember the minuscule tablets of Xanax. So I, re, I even researched it, as ridiculous as that sounds. I was like, how much do I, can I take to get messed up, you know? So I, I took three. And I took another three. And I took another three. I might have even taken another three. I don't remember. But I was so irrational at the time. Uh, I took a shot of uh, scotch whiskey. And I don't remember anything that happened after that. I don't. I, when I came to, my father, he must have saw me walking around in my room, like finally moving around. He came up to me. He was like, you know, what happened? What did you do? Did you take my Xanax? And I was like, Yeah. I did, and uh, he told me what happened. Um, basically, I was lying in bed. There was vomit. Uh, I was foaming out the mouth, and I was not conscious. Another overdose. Accident? Absolutely. Off switch? No. No off switch. I kept taking them, and I, I kept indulging in, in those, those dangerous. Alcohol and, and Xanax, and ben, Xanax is a benzo. They kill more people than heroin. I, 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 I think that's a statistic. I'm not positive, but that's what I heard word of mouth. Uh, it's deadly. So I, I, God gave me a second chance that, that day. So the next day, I woke up. I shouldn't have drove, but I drove to my counselor's office. And my counselor wasn't there, but there was a young professional there. And I, like, broke down right in front of her. I was, I was crying. I was, I was in shambles. And she was like, you know, just wait to talk to your counselor the next week. So I did. When I saw my counselor the next week, the first thing I said to her was, I've been lying to you this whole time. Like, I was lying to my counselor because I was an addict, number one. <laughs> I mean, addicts lie. That's what, that's what we, we do we, we, when we're in active addiction, at least. We lie all the time. And um, I lied to her also. I told her one of the biggest reasons why I lied to her is because I was afraid to go for a substance abuse evaluation because she said, if I use drugs and alcohol, I'm going to go for an evaluation for substance abuse. So I lied to her that whole time. Well, she's like, you have to go for one now. And I said, okay. But in my mind, I was, like, in denial still. I was like, yeah, right. Like, I don't, I, I don't need drug and alcohol counseling. I'm fine. Even after an overdose, I was still in denial. But the next appointment was with the psychiatrist. So I went into the psychiatrist's office, and she's like, you haven't seen me in six months. I said, I laughed. I was like, six months? That's a long time. Uh, she's like, it's not a joke. You've been drinking while well, I've been prescribing you medication. 
medication for OCD. I have OCD, so OCD, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, OCD, and uh, medication are the ways to treat OCD. That's the proper way. And that's what I was doing, but I was also indulging in other things. Uh, so um, I was, she's like, how many days a week do you drink? And I was like, at least four. And she was like, well, you, your next appointment is a substance abuse evaluation across the street. You have to comply or else you're getting kicked out of this uh, counseling program, and I'm not prescribing you medication. I was like, whoa. Like, that was a kick in the ass. That was a kick in the ass I so desperately, desperate, like, desperately needed, that tough love. Tough love is great in the beginning of recovery. It's more better to be, like, uh, kind-hearted in the middle of recovery, I think. But in the beginning, you need some tough love from somebody you respect. So I went across the street. Uh, to the, it's all the same agency. They have a substance abuse building, and they have, like, a, like a mental health building. And... Um, uh, I met with the director who uh, directed every substance abuse program in the building. And she sat down with me and she's like, you know, how many times a week do you drink? And uh, I was like, at least four. She's like, you belong. She, immediately she was like, you belong in this program. I want you to come Monday, Wednesday, th- Friday, 9 to 3. And, I, and uh, she said, you have to comply. And I said, I comply. So I did it. I went in there. It's funny how I remember all the dates. I mean, it was, it was only two years ago. But I went in there September 11th, September 12th. I drank, I smoked the rest of my stash. I drank two beers or three beers, and then I stopped everything that night. September 13th is my sober date to this day. Um, and what I really discovered in the beginning, like as soon as I started, uh, it's called intensive outpatient. It's not inpatient. Like I wasn't like living there. I'd just drive there every day, and, and I, I'd go to, uh, it's called the D.A.R.E. program. So I was in intensive outpatient for uh, a while, and uh, it's like the first day I, re- I realized abstinence, abstinence is absolutely the key to recovery. No, I'll have one toke or I'll have one beer. It's all about not doing anything. Because even Jake the Snake said himself, like, a million drinks lined up is not enough, but one it's too fucking many. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and that's, that's true. It's, it's absolutely true for any addict. So um, a month into recovery, I went to a workshop in Monroe, New Jersey, a DDP yoga workshop, and Dallas was posting it, obviously. I, uh, I did the workout with him, and I, I went to talk to him after that, and um, he was telling me about, uh, you know, some pointers about addiction and how to take care of it, and, and uh, in, in recovery, and then he's, he's like, you know, have you seen Jake the Snake Roberts' documentary, the, the Resurrection of Jake the Snake? I was like, nah, not yet. <laughs> he's like, he got kind of mad. He was like, what do you mean you haven't seen that? He started yelling at me. He's like, you got you got to go watch it as soon as you get home. I was like, absolutely, I will. It's on Netflix. It was on, on Netflix at the time. So I went and I watched it, and I watched it again and again and again because it really reinforced a lot of those tools that are necessary in recovery. Like, you know, there might be relapses. There might, you know, Jake went through a lot of, a lot of different phases, and I, I really identified with a lot of that stuff. So it's definitely a great movie for everybody in general, but it's great for addicts as well. Um, so, yeah, one year went by. He actually gave me a phone call. Dallas gave me a phone call after I turned one year sober. He was like, I missed it the first time. I was like, ah, oh, crap. I missed, the, I missed this call. He left the message. And then I go, he gave me another call back um, after Christmas later that year. 
and uh, we talked, and uh, uh, it was it was really cool for him to actually call me personally. Again, reinforcing my recovery, those little things like that. Those are little things, but they're actually big things in my mind. You know, like having well, uh, right. bowels yeah. Sorry, Mark. Um, um, it just goes perfect. It doesn't cost anything to care about somebody. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, that that is that's a, that's a great point, Crystal. And, and Mark, I mean, obviously, like this this happens over time. Like you know, obviously, when you got out of high school and smoked your first first joint or had your first you know beer or whatever it may be, I'm sure you didn't go. You know, I'm gonna set out and be an addict. Like. Nobody goes out and does that, and right. I, and it, it sounds cliche, but the greatest line in the Jacob Snake documentary was "Never underestimate the power you can give someone by yep. believing in them." Because so many addicts in this world, we treat addiction, I feel, horribly in this country. Um, I think we treat it wrong. I think we treat addiction addicts wrong, and I feel like there is this, such a bad stigma that so many addicts who are savable are written off as lost causes because it's hard. It's, yeah. it's hard loving an addict. It's hard, you know, being around an, an addict. And sometimes just having that person who can sit by you and say, I, I believe in you, or in this case, you know, give you a call and just reinforce, you know, you're doing the right thing. You're doing all right. That means more to anybody than, than some of these, you know, 12 step recovery programs. You know, not to say they're not good, good, but sometimes, you know, having somebody, you know, on your side it is such a valuable tool and such an asset, and it's not as common as, as people think. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure you know, Mark. You, you, you've been there. It's hard loving an addict. It's hard dealing with the lying and the stealing and the disappointment. But yeah. I feel like um, just you know having someone to stand by you, like you said, and also having someone to be real with you. You know, there's a lot of um, fluff. I feel like sold yeah, to yeah. addiction. There's a lot of people. I feel yeah. like there's a lot of fairy tales. I feel like people, you know, you see these movies, my rock bottom moment, and then everything got well. You know, a lot of, a lot of people have multiple rock bottoms. A lot of people's rock bottom isn't what gets them sober. Some, you know, there's this mentality that there's this, I was down and I'm up and everything's awesome, but it's a constant battle. It's a constant fight. And it's a fight that you're going to fall down. I see it quite a few times, you know, after the Jake documentary, um, Jake stumbled several times um, after that. It's been yep. widely publicized. And people would get online and say, I knew it, he fell off, and as if that's like some kind of end of the road. It's the end of the game. But the thing that really made the impression on me, in the, in the documentary, when Jake first stumbled and had that first relapse, and, and Paige goes in his room, he's chatting, chatting with him, and Jake says, I blew it. I blew a hundred and something days of sobriety. It's over. I'm starting from scratch now. And Paige, Paige is like, you're not starting from scratch. You're a hundred and something days in one. Like, that's just a break. Right. It's a strike on the record. It's not a reset from the board game. And I think that's a way to look at it, a realistic way to look at it. And sometimes these kind of fairy tale stories sold to survivors and, and addicts and stuff aren't realistic and they're not maintainable. So when you do fall you have this, the world just collapsed mentality. And in all reality, it was a fall. It was a stumble. You can either pick yourself back up or you can keep yourself down at square one. 
Yeah, and I think, it, you know, just being around Dallas and being around the community and just everything, one of the biggest quotes, I think it was in the book, or I'm not even sure where I picked it up, but I know it's from Dallas. And it was one of those things that you don't learn something valuable when things are going, you know, smooth as glass. You learn those lessons when you fall completely down on your face. That's when you, right? That's when you learn the perseverance and you test the will to get back up again. And yeah, I mean, can you stay down? Yeah, that's a choice. That is a choice. You can stay down. But I guarantee that's not where the pudding is. You got to get back up. And, and, you know, yeah. I mean, it's a great community, Mark, that you've aligned yourself with because there's so many amazing people that are here and that are so um, unselfish with their time and with their advice and with their um, genuine um, way or, you know, desire to help someone else. I think that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You guys brought up a lot of good points. I think, um, I think the main point of my story is uh, I do little those little big things I call them because they're little things in perspective to somebody else, but they're big things in my mind because like they reinforce my recovery. I do every, every time I I see an opportunity to reinforce my recovery, I do it. And that's what, that's why I'm still two years and five months sober today. Um, An example is, you know, Dallas called me on the phone. Another example is being on this radio show with, with you guys, being being on the internet, like th- this is this is another way to reinforce my recovery. Um, after you know two years of constant continuous sobriety, I posted my story on Facebook because I was like, maybe that's another thing I could do to reinforce it. Uh, I posted it on all of our social media because I wanted to get it out there and it would help somebody. Um, and a girl from high school messaged me, and she actually worked in the field as a drug and alcohol counselor. Uh, and she's like, you know, you'd be great in the field. Like, you know, there's peer specialist opportunities. So I, I, I looked into it. I looked into it, becoming a peer specialist, and it's kind of hard to get into. It's somebody who's in recovery that helps people in recovery, like a recovery counselor. Oh, I see. Right. But um, it's kind of hard to get into. So I'm going for my CADC. It's a Certified Alcohol and Drug uh, Counselor. It's a certification. Um, and I'm, I'm going for that as as we speak. I'm I'm currently in the process of getting financial aid. Thank you. And um, congratulations, uh, Yeah, I I think it's just. And when I emailed Dallas about that, he's like, "This is a great way to pay it forward, man. Absolutely, great path. Well, like, that's all I need. You know, of one person mm-hmm. believes in you. I've had people, believe it or not, there's people who want to take bring you down, and like tell you you yeah. can't do something, and like you shouldn't do something because you would. Like I, people have told me, like I swear to God, people have told me, like you'd be you'd be miserable working as a drug and alcohol, alcohol counselor. Those people are no. slowly killing themselves by drinking and drugging all the time. It's like, yeah, right. But fucking, I'm sorry. Like this is this is what I believe in. Like you, you're not going to change my mind with your one opinion. You know? No, that's, well, I mean, that's that's sad too. A lot of times when you're in, you're in the process of recovering or overcoming something. A lot of people still in the funk want to keep you in the funk because when you get out, it makes them feel worse. But you know, you gotta you gotta listen to you and, and do what's right for you. 
And, you know, eventually when things start getting really good for you, they'll be less inclined to be jealous or hateful towards you. And I think more of you, you'll be a walking billboard for how well it can be if you want it to be. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really, it's okay. No, not at all. It's hard when there's three of us on the line sometimes. Um, it, It takes, um, you know, sometimes, Mark, it takes a lot of manure to grow the best flowers in the world. That's a good one. I like that one. <laughs> right? I'm, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, a great analogy. Yeah. yeah I mean. So I have another quote that I'm known for saying. It has a cuss word in it, and I apologize, but I'm going to say it anyway. But that being said, um, Everybody has an asshole, but that doesn't mean they get to be one. <laughs> yeah, right? you, you got a lot of good ones. Yeah, right? that's, that's true. That's very true. And I mean, and I mean, the truth is, is you know, the opinion is a funny thing. I don't really find that there's anything valid in someone's opinion because opinions are always laced with. I don't know. There's an expectation with an opinion I find personally. So I try not to really invite too many opinions into my life because it, it clouds everything. And I don't like that. I mean, I know what I can do. I know who I can count on. And that's been a really big clarity thing for me. And I've struggled with a lot of things over, you know, the few years that I've been kicking around this planet. So And now, you know, now I have a medical issue that I struggle with. And I don't tend to surround myself with people that tell me what I can and can't do. Yeah. Do you find? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you find that you've really changed um, a lot of your immediate circle? Oh, yeah. I had to change everything. Yeah, I had yeah. Change, I, I, I deleted I, like it goes without saying. I deleted every drug dealer from my phone. I barely hang right. out with people if they're drinking or drugging. Like like never drugging. Like so it's hard to avoid drinking uh, people who are drinking because like it's 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 legal. So right. you know, I'll go to like right. a party, and 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 what I'm what I'm working on now is getting rid of the the food and the uh, the, the bad food. I mean and the, the bad. Like the soda, because like if I go to a, you know, a drinking event, like if for some reason I'm I'm going, uh, I'll I'll drink a soda. I'm like I know I'm not supposed to be drinking that stuff or eating that stuff. So that's uh, another point that Mike brought up when I called in last time was that uh, people who are recovering from addiction turn to those bad foods because they're kind of like a drug themselves. Right. So you're changing your story. You're trading one bad thing for another. Is that kind of yeah. what you mean? Yeah. I just wanted yeah, to get that's clear. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it was easy. It, it's easy to it's easy to eat fast food and 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 you know just True. just crap. I work in a restaurant actually, and it's and it's it's hard to say no to like a lot of a lot of different things that they have on the menu. So um, it's uh it's it's taking me a lot of uh, work. It's, it's what it is. It's just taking me a lot of work to change my eating habits, and I, I've been doing really well in the past month. And I just want to keep it going because Good. being positively unstoppable. He, uh, when he talked about setbacks in that book, like that made all the sense in the world to me. Like they're just setbacks. Like I can't just like 
if I if I eat white one bad thing, I can't let that ruin my whole uh, lifestyle change. I gotta I gotta stay with it. No. You know? Yeah. No. And, yeah. And, not and, at and all. you you know trying to change your life and and be healthy like this. You know, the, the training of the addiction is, is classic addictive behavior. It's, it's on every TV show or documentary about the subject. I mean, there's something that happens. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that food addiction is worse than drugs or, or alcohol because I don't think that's the case because anyone who said that I don't think has ever really dealt with an addict or an alcoholic or been one. But it is a more acceptable addiction. Uh, addiction. You know, you go sure to a Christmas is. dinner and they're not going sh- to yell at you for not having – you know, uh, cocaine or, or not having, you know, heroin, but they'll like shame you and, you know, well, have a piece of cake, have this, and it's all up there. Right. They're not putting drugs and pills on, you know, centerpiece. So it's a more socially acceptable um, addiction. I remember, I've never it been is, a drug yeah. guy and I've never been much of a drinker. And it's just the way I'm, food's always been my issue, but I've always been very self aware when it comes to certain things. Um, I remember when I first went out to Los Angeles and, and, and went out there and, and lived out there for a while, I was in with the you know, rock and roll scene community. I was going out touring with bands. And as is around there, eventually you're going to try something. I tried cocaine the first time when I was out there. I tried it twice, and I realized this is awesome, and I can never do it again. Because I kind of saw my – in my head, I kind of saw the wheels in motion. I feel amazing. I'm productive. I'm – energetic, I'm social, I like this, I can't do it anymore because I gotta shut this down before it becomes an issue. But at the same time, when I stopped doing that, you know, I, I did a couple times it was done with, got that out of my system. And I meanwhile I realized that I, they're all, you know, doing their thing, but I'm sitting here eating pounding chicken fingers or chicken wings or plates of nachos and I'm like, I got my own thing going on here. It's not as socially taboo as their thing, but we all have our cross to bear. We all have our vices, and you know we can. Absolutely. We all have certain things that we trade, and certain vices, and certain dangerous behavior that's going to ultimately lead to poor health. And I know socially the drugs are more of an issue, but everywhere you go, there's 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 no getting away from that social food aspect. And if you're an addict, sure. you're trading that addiction for you know, maybe comfort food or anything, there's a whole lot of opportunity for you to go all in on the bad diet. And I think, sorry, Mark, this is why it's really important. I think um, I can only speak for my situation, but I think it's always important um, in the grand scheme of everything that goes on in life, whether it's food or drugs or alcohol or whatever the case may be, but it's always really important for me to have someone reliable in my life who's always willing to call me on my own bullshit. Right. Definitely. Do you find that, Mark? I, yeah. I absolutely, absolutely. Um, I have. Uh, I have. I have one friend who actually really understands. He's in recovery with me. Uh, he's been like five or six years now. Um, and he's like, he's one of the only ones who really understands like the aspects of my life and how I'm changing. And, you know, it's hard. It's, it's like the eating thing. It's hard, especially when you're in recovery, sure. like, you just gave up drugs and alcohol. Like now you gotta give up the, all that bad food. Like it's not, it's easier said than done. And that's what I'm yeah, finding out slowly but surely, but it's, it, it, it's, it's achievable. It's definitely achievable. 
just got to set goals, small goals, and, and knock them out. And that's what Diamond Dallas Page preaches all the time. You know, write down your goals, make them make back down, and, you know, knock them out. And uh, that's what I've been doing ever since uh, that faithful day, uh, September 13, 2016. I've just been knocking out goals, and I'm really proud of myself. I think the last thing I'll say about my story, and then we could like I, I can answer some questions, or we could we could conversate or whatever, is um, uh, two years. I was like looking on my phone for like you know meet and greets because I never met like a, I, I've met wrestlers before, but like I, I had somebody somebody in mind that I really wanted to meet, so I googled meet and greet, and like she was gonna be in town, like, two weeks later. I was like, holy crap, like uh. I was I was pumped to see her. It was Becky Lynch. Like I had been watching Becky since Becky was uh, mm. um, in NXT. When I saw her match with Sasha Banks, it was like NXT Unstoppable, and it was like a great match. And I was like, I, as soon as I saw that match, I was like, this girl's got it. Like I don't know what she's got, but it's it. And like she's gonna make it someday. Fast forward like to November uh, over the summer in November, like oh, oh, like these past few months. She's blowing up huge. She's like the biggest superstar in the world right now. And to meet her yes. at the pinnacle of her career is an uh, opportunity I was not going to miss. So, like, I bought a ticket. I, I stood in line. Uh, as when, I, when, when she came out in front of the crowd, I started getting emotional. I'm like, what's wrong with me? And when I got to the front of the line, uh, I, you know, I shook her hand. She signed my shirt. And then I turned around to her, and I go, you know, you really inspired my recovery. Like, and she goes, really? I was like, yeah, like, I've, uh, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. Today, I'm, like, two years sober. And she got a big smile on her face. She gave me a big hug. And uh, I said to her, like, uh, um, you're killing it right now, and I'm killing it as well. Like, let's keep it going, because I have no doubts about you. And she said, I don't have that that's actually huge in my mind like I keep looking for those that out before those things keep me going those things make me want to never give up and I just look for them all the time because they're so important wow that's an amazing story and and it's going to keep me moving forward because those little things those little things are, are what matters it's a daily reminder like why you're doing what you're doing you know, there's there's yep. there's never going to be that big, you know, moment where the sky opens up and you just, you know, everyone gives you a, a hand from George Washington to Babe Ruth to just There's never going to be that, that quintessential peak of the mountain, you know. So every day is another climb in that mountain because there is no peak. You just got to keep climbing. And those little daily reminders and those little and big things, because that's a big deal, you know, to meet someone like that or, you know, meet someone that inspires you or, or, or reach for these little milestones here and there, but they're what adds you up, and, and that's what adds up and keeps you moving forward for the long haul. And uh, from what I understand, your mindset right now is preparing you for the long haul. You know, a lot yep. of people are trying yep. to get through the week, get through the day, which is, is important, and I'm sure you're doing that too, but I don't feel, in by listening to you, you plan on giving up anytime soon, and, and that's incredibly inspiring for uh, a lot of people. i got to ask you something real quick. I'm sure, sure. somewhere in the sound of my voice, someone is dealing with some kind of addiction issue or, you know, who is doing GDP yoga, who is being healthy, but just can't seem to quit that vice or can't seem to get out of their own way when it comes to that. If you were to tell 
them the same thing you were going to tell Mark three years ago when you were in the funk and when you were in the mix of things. Yep. Why is it better now? What's better and how is it better? What are you telling that person? What are you telling you and in turn telling that person listening who just doesn't see another side, doesn't see over the rainbow, if you will? I tell them one thing, and this just popped up into my head as soon as you asked that question. It's go get help because you can't do it by yourself. Like, maybe you can, but it's a long shot. Like, Jake, when he got mm-hmm. sober, he had Dallas's support uh, all the way. Right. And then right. Scott came in. And he, had, he had Scott Scott supporting him. And he had the people in the DDPO, uh, the accountability crib, supporting him as well. Me, I had, um, I reached out. I reached out to um, counselors, professionals, friends, uh family and uh i got um I, I i've had when i put myself out there i got support but i think the most important thing is you gotta learn to support yourself uh i think that's something that a lot of addicts don't realize like support yourself as much as you can in recovery and um swallow your pride and become vulnerable man because like if i didn't yeah. do that I, i'd still be addicted today you know, like, I, I was so proud of myself, like, oh, I don't need help. Like, I was in denial, and, like, you know, like, I I never, I never thought, like, I could be, like, an addict, you know. I, I, I can admit that, and I could, you know, go get help. I was, I got a big kick in the ass from the right person, you know, my psychiatrist that I told you about. But, uh, you know, everything just came full circle after that happened. It was kind of like, um... I I I went to uh, intensive outpatient, and then after intensive outpatient, I went to a, a thing called Smart Recovery. Smart Recovery is kind of an alternative to AA and NA, and there are a lot of people my age. Like I'm around 30 years old, and I, I just turned 30 now. Um, but, uh, there are a lot of people around my age, like in their 20s and 30s, that were uh, recovering, uh, and. Uh, that was a good. That was something good to um, stick with for a while. I don't go to there anymore, but I always look for those things to reinforce my recovery. You know. That's amazing. I, I'm, I'm, I love it, and it's authentic too. It comes from an authentic place, and I think if anything in this world, in this in the social media landscape of being our own public relations firm and only showing our best crop photos and angles where we all look perfect and when we're all just trying to just be this ideal version of ourselves that we could never achieve, I think something authentic is so invaluable. And I think when somebody is vulnerable and their guard down, it lets so many other people feel like they're not alone. It lets so many other people right. feel like this wall that I'm putting up is the same wall as you're putting up. And as soon as we can pull down those walls and be honest and authentic and have actual conversations about not only our good moments, but our bad moments and people feeling they can reach out to people in even the the shittiest things they've done. Like you shared some things that weren't, um, they, they, that weren't flattering towards yourself, you know, the lying and then, you know, the, the, the deception that you kind of portrayed around people you love that's a hard thing to right. come out there and admit and talk to people about. But as soon as somebody can come out there and be authentic and honest and just be real with each other in this age of just Photoshop and it's so important and it's so invaluable. And I guarantee you that if not by this show, 
that by you becoming a counselor and, and getting your certificate, your story and your authenticity and your realistic um, experiences are going to change someone else's life. So thank you for doing that for uh, for us here today and for moving forward, you know, with your certificate and, and your certifications and your counseling and uh, all that stuff going forward. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, it, it, uh, takes a lot of courage to to admit those things about yourself. Courage isn't really just like being brave all the time. It's being scared, but just doing it anyway. Right. Right. You know. Absolutely. hundred percent. And and uh it does. It, it takes a lot of courage to let those walls down. And uh I see big things, I see awesome things for you. And to move away from the addiction part of things for a minute, you know, you talked about how you're trying to get your diet in order and your food in order. And, you know, how mm-hmm. does DDP yoga and how does the, the DDPY, how does that work hand-in-hand in hand with your recovery process? Because I've talked to some people, and I know, you know, Alex has a lot of people at the PC who've dealt with uh, addiction issues that find a lot of great uh, comfort and in, in, in outlet in being physical, and whether it's exercise or DPY or, or cardio, whatever it may be, it's such a great physical release um, for somebody in that position. That's so funny because uh, I, I Dallas did a workshop. I go to every workshop that he does in New Jersey. Um, but uh, he did a workshop in Union, uh, New Jersey, and I went up there and uh, I, I got to talk to him after, and uh, I was like, you know what, I found a new outlet. And his, he got his face, he, he, just, he kind of turned his head like, you know, what do you mean? And I was like, it's DDP yoga. And he got a big smile on his face. He gave me a big hug. It was, it was really funny. Uh, because uh, in the beginning of my recovery, I, was, I, couldn't, I could not work out. I was going to withdraw for at least two or three weeks. I was not going to work out. Like, I could barely sleep. Like withdrawal from alcohol, mainly. Um, so after, mm-hmm. But after those three weeks, I... I was I felt much better and like I was moving forward in my recovery, so I needed an outlet and I picked DDP yoga absolutely. There was there was no doubt in my mind I wasn't gonna pick a gym or anything. Like I I just I I, I started doing DDP yoga and like it's a great community and it's just uh, everything about it's just so positive and seeing Jake's documentary like reinforced it even more. Like keep going with with DDP yoga like it's. It makes you feel so good after you do it. It's like it increases your endorphins. It's it's that it's a chemical reaction. Same kind of thing with 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 that drugs do, but like it's it's natural. It's not like you know, it's like you're you're, you're doing an actual drug. So um, I think the last thing I'll say about that is uh, um, the 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 food aspect. You know, that took me a while to uh, you know I, I I always kept falling off, falling off, falling off kind of like with uh, my relapses over the years with drugs and alcohol, um, those are just setbacks, man. You just got to push through those things. And I plan on doing that uh, for the rest of my life with food as well. Uh, if, I, if, I get, if I get a setback, just keep going, man. Like, you know, it's not it's, it's not going to stop me. You know, nothing's going to stop you. You just got, you got to be positively unstoppable, like the, book, the title of the book is, you know. I think that's no, awesome. Yeah, I, I, Go ahead, Mike. Oh, Chris. Oh no, I was I was gonna say, um, you know that's that's, that's so perfect. And real quick, I, I want to tell you like, where we live in a society, you know, 
a beer after after work society, you know, and and that kind of evolved into, you know, smoking and joint after work. And you know, I don't particularly smoke weed, but I have nothing against it. I have plenty of friends who do. I just don't like the feeling or the taste of it. But I know there's a lot of people who depend on that edge to take the edge off after work, and a lot of people, you know, rely on chemicals or, or drinks or whatever. And I, I'd be one of those persons that, you know, when, when they tell you, oh, well, you know, what's a great way to get on the mat and just do some, you know, a workout. And I'd be looking at them like, oh, yeah, what am I going to do after a long, hard, tired day? Go do some more exercise. And I'd roll my eyes at them. But there is something to be said about that end of the day endorphin rush um, documentary the other day. And I got to show this to me real quick. It's called Gleason. It's on Amazon. Um, it's about Steve Gleason. He's a retired uh, NFL player, and I'm I'm not a football fan, yeah. so I'm not going to pretend like I know all of the stats. But he's famous for this one big play in New Orleans, and he was diagnosed with ALS several years ago. And it goes through this, you know, in, in a stage of him just in the beginning stages where he's just first nine months goes from completely normal to wheelchair bound and only able to use his eyes, and he uses his eyes to communicate. And he was just at this point where he was so frustrated by the, you know, the breakdown of the disease and disorder that he says, I just want to punch something so hard, you know, just to get that out. And I can't because I'm trapped by my own body. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, like all he wants is that release to just punch out his anger. So he just screamed. He screamed at the top of his lungs to let it out. And he just was just this moment. It was a powerful moment in the film. And I found myself there today. I, I, I have a, bad quality of myself that I don't get really very mad visibly enough. Um, it's one of those things that I kind of, you know, I, I come from an Irish Catholic family from Boston, so we internalize everything. You, you shove it deeper and deeper and deeper. But, you know, it's, it's not good to let your anger control you, but it's also unhealthy to bottle that up because then it comes out sideways. And usually when it comes out sideways, for me, it's one of those days where I'm overtired and it's just this ruins my day. So it was one of those days today where everything was just, nothing big was going wrong, but just little things were piling up. And I'm making my lunch, and I'm hungry, and I'm tired and angry. The cats jump up, knock everything off, break it off the counter. And it was one of those things that I couldn't find myself the, the ability to scream because I just didn't want to make a scene, you know. So I went in my room, and I did, yeah. we have those bang salute moves that we did. I did about 20 of them in a row. And I just powered those out, just one after the other. And that was my screaming. That was my temper tantrum. And when I got done, I felt like like I just, you know, you just had sex. Like you had a cigarette, you need a cigarette in your hand or something to walk out with because I felt like a million bucks. And it was just that exercise was what I needed. I didn't need to yell. I didn't need to punch anything. I didn't need to throw a temper tantrum. I didn't need to drink. I didn't need to drugs. But I went in there and I gave that freaking diamond cutter everything I had over and over and over again. And when I was done, I felt like I was high. It really was. Something triggered in my mm-hmm. brain, and it changed my mood for the entire day. So there is that positive way to medicate yourself within yourself, you know, that endorphin rush, you know, that just mm-hmm. internal, you know, stimulation that can act as an antidepressant or anti-anxiety or a pain medication or a drug without the negative things. And it's a real positive, healthy um, a way to deal with that stuff. Sorry for the long way around <laughs> that story, but I was getting somewhere with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, an outlet like exercise, I mean, 
our our exercise is DDP yoga. It uh, it's almost necessary because if you're just sitting around all day, I don't think we were meant to sit around all day. We were meant no. to move around and no. be active. Uh, that's what God created us. Uh, and um, uh, actually, DDP yoga is a great way to really do that. Uh, it, it's <laughs> it's a yoga mixed with uh, calisthenics mixed with dynamic resistance. Like nothing beats it in my mind. And we come from the we're the most sedentary generation yet. You know, yep. most of our te- yep. our jobs are technological based in front of the computer. We don't get out. We don't, you know, social media has a sitting TV. Everything's available to us. So, you know, we are, in, you know, they say sitting is the new smoking. How dangerous it is. And, you know, as to bring it back to the addiction yeah. thing, any addict will tell you the, the main trigger for a relapse is boredom or just inactivity or still, you know, being still. And it's, it's dangerous, whether health-wise or, or mentally, to just be so sedentary. So it is a lifestyle. And, once you can get past your initial, you know, detox and demons, it's something you're going to have to work at and be physical and be active and be your own, you know, your own advocate for your own sobriety. And that means getting off your ass when it's not comfortable. It means getting on the mat, getting active and being social and, you know, getting out of that bubble that caused you to kind of be in this situation to begin with. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I and remember. And one of those... Sorry, go oh, ahead. Oh, Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, I remember um, in the beginning of my recovery, I watched a TV show. I watched the whole thing. And, like, the main theme of it was, the main message of it was uh, keep moving forward. That really spoke to me in the beginning of my recovery. Like, I, I, all I really need to do in recovery is just keep moving forward. I can't stand still. Right. Like, you know, that that's kind of dangerous. Like, you know, the thumbs will start to twiddle. But if I keep moving forward, you know, I have two good legs. I could I could easily do that, then you know that that's how I'll maintain maintain uh, recovery for the rest of my life. So I have this quote wall downstairs in my workout room, Mark, and it's just mm-hmm. I've got thousands and thousands and thousands of quotes. One of the quotes that came to me a long long time ago, I was having a hard time, and it just kind of arrived in my life at a perfect time and the quote was you can't get on your feet until you get off your ass anything I always kind of thought geez well you know I can't be the only person that's going through this but I know if I sit down and and just resign myself to this I'm gonna stay here so I have to get up yeah yeah, I, I think um, absolutely. I think uh, I think since the beginning of, of my of my you know stretch this stretch of sobriety, I, I I really haven't stopped moving. I've always been doing something, you know, keeping Good. myself busy. You know, that, Good. that's 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 a big reason why I'm still sober because I've always been busy. I'm always doing something. I'm never bored or like you know because that's that's. <laughs> Uh, when addicts get bored, man, they 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 start making bad decisions. So I've been really right. keeping myself busy for the past uh, two years. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, I'm really proud of you. Well, I I really am. Yeah, well, we are very proud of you. Thanks, That's guys. Amazing. Um, Crystal, awesome, awesome. Yes. 
we, we, we have so many of these great community uh, stories in the community, and, and Crystal's so good about, you know, in the mountain and, and just, you know, there there's a great community and support system here in the DPO community, and um, I know that there's a lot of people probably doing what you're going through, and there's a lot of people, if you're listening at home, probably doing what you're going through. So seek out like-minded people to be that support system, to be that structure for whatever it is you're dealing right. with. You're doing something for a reason. You're making life changes for a reason because the way the things were going for you aren't it, it didn't get you where you wanted to be. So what better way to kind of get yourself there than to team up with people who are looking to make positive changes, positive people, positive self talk, positive friends, you know, surrounding yourself with people that aren't negative and, and arguing and argumentative and grumpy and angry. Just find yourself a place of, you know, authentic happiness where you can share and bounce ideas and your good times and bad off the people and excuse me um it's such a great healthy environment here and i'm glad that we produce people like success stories like mark to come out here and share his story so thank you so much man we really appreciate it and would love you to keep us posted yes absolutely i will thanks for having me on the show um it's a pleasure to be here and um i'll i'll keep moving forward that's so I guess I'll end it with that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, never give great, up. Great closing line, man. Yeah, never give Thank up, absolutely. Much, All right, thanks, thanks for having Mark. me, guys. All right, good night. Take care, man. Uh, that was a great, great conversation. And, and Crystal, um, yeah. I know that you gave us several gems tonight, some closing, uh, <laughs> some uh, great quotes that would have closed out any show excellent. But I know that if we dig a little deeper, you can pull out one last awesome quote to share yeah, with actually, to kind of set us on our way this week. I've got it sitting right in front of me. And it's really, it's so simple that it's complex. So take this week and think about it. And I look forward to hearing from everybody next week on how this hit home. And the quote is, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're failing That's right. It's that's I love that. It's it's, it's so simple. layered, like you said. Yeah, it's simple on right. the surface, but it means everything underneath. Yeah, I love that. Like thank Shrek you so says, much. Like an onion. <laughs> thank you. Well, now you ruined it. Now, 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 now all I do is taste onions. Thanks a lot, Crystal. I hate onions. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. We'll be back next week. Crystal, thank you so much. And as I predicted at the beginning of the show, talking to your bright and shiny voice and having such a great story fired me up, and I'm ready to take on the night at 10 o'clock. So I'll probably be keeping Katie up for a while bothering her. So she thanks you. I didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Great show tonight. Great uh, episode. And we will be back next week with another brand-new episode of GDP Radio Live here at GDPRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere that your podcast can be downloaded. We will see you guys soon. Thank you, and good night. Hold on a sec. Now good night. it today, man. That was a great workout, man. The powerbomb set up by Paige. Oh! He did a diamond cutter. I don't believe it. Wow. Diamond cutter out of the powerbomb. We're going home.
You've been listening to DDP Radio. Tune in again next week for another edition of DDP Radio with more great guests, inspiration, and news from Diamond Dallas Page and Team DDP Yoga. Keep up all the great work, and most importantly, own your life. Mm-hmm.